the solution is for God's people to go back to the land, to be where they are supposed to be. So the solution is to return, to go back to God, to go back to the promised land. You know, and if we, throughout the Bible, throughout the Old Testament and into modern times, we see God's people, the people of Israel, are, are constantly being displaced from their promised land. All the way up until uh, 1948, if, if I got any history buffs in the room, that's the year that the UN, after World War II, decided that the Jewish people would be given a, a piece of land in, in um, the promised land in Israel, and they could return. And so Jews from all around the world started returning. They made uh, just a tremendous headway in um, returning to the land. However, um, in Judaism, for them to be the blessing that they're called to be, all Jews everywhere around the world need to be in the land. So however they made um, this great progress in 1948, uh, they're, they're not there yet because there's Jews still dispersed all around the world. Half of the Jewish population lives right here in America. And so for them, one day when the Messiah comes, he's going to unite all Jews everywhere in the land of Israel. And so they're not able to be that blessing that they're called to be. And this is a problem, again. The problem is they're not where they're supposed to be. They're not being the blessing that they're called to be. They're not in that covenant relationship. And so they need to be back in the land and united as one people under the Messiah who are, they are still waiting for. And so how do we get there? How do the Jews get back to the promised land? When is the Messiah going to come? Well, for them, when they return they're called to remember and obey that's the key remember who you are remember that special relationship that you have with God that you are his chosen people and to obey the law that he has given you. And this sounds like it might be a simple task. However, um, you know, the Judaism of the Old Testament that we may be familiar with is 2,000 years removed from what Judaism has come to today. And uh, something, something that's happened that I've read is that there are growing movements in Judaism that have said, you know, being of Jewish heritage and obeying the law, that's, that's great. But the Torah, the Old Testament, the law, it's really just uh, a bunch of outdated rules which aren't really relevant to the world today. And we have to change, we have to adapt as the, the world changes, as the ethics and the laws of the land Change. We have to move forward with them. Maybe that sounds familiar to you guys today. Um, we see it everywhere. And so for them, 
there is that forgetfulness. And the Messiah is not going to come until they are all of one heart and one mind and following the law. And so it's a big deal for them to remember who they are. Remember who you are. I couldn't, I couldn't stop thinking about Lion King when I was preparing for this. You know, Mufasa, I'm a little Disney plug for, for any of you Lion King fans out there. But uh, it, remember who you are. And God will bring you back to the land. And we see that played out throughout the Old Testament, don't we? That cycle. They forget, they turn away, they become one with the ways of the world. And then they suffer and they're displaced from their land and they, they return when they call upon God. Um, that's how it goes. But remember and obey. For the Jewish faith, it is paramount for the return of the Messiah and for the blessing of the entire world that they remember who they are, they obey the law. And so, who is the exemplar? Who's the guy? I wish I could say that it was Jesus, the Messiah. But for Jews, there is no one greater than Moses. He is the end-all, be-all prophet. He was the channel through which God brought them out of slavery in Egypt. He gave them the Torah, the law, which um, is paramount for them. And he brought them into the promised land that he had promised to Abraham. And it said, I'm going to give you this land and I'm going to bless the whole world through you. And so for them, there is no prophet greater than Moses, not even the expected Messiah. He is second only to Moses. And so they believe that the Messiah is a prophet less than Moses. Moses is, um, he's the guy. And of course, we as Christians, we believe that Jesus is the Messiah. He is the better Moses. He's the better king. He's, he's who the prophets and who Moses and the entire Old Testament was pointing to, right? And so that makes us as Christians, we want to ask the question, uh, why not Jesus? Why do they not believe that he is the Messiah? And so I want us to look at four primary reasons why Jews discredit Christ as a Messiah. And I want us to attempt to respond as Christians. How do we respond to these claims about Jesus? Because if we are interacting with uh, someone of the Jewish faith, and there's a good chance they may bring one or all of these up. And so, what is the first reason that a Jew might give for saying, well, Jesus isn't the Messiah? They would say that Jesus did not completely fulfill the messianic prophecies found in the Old Testament. They would say... He didn't build the third temple. He didn't unite all Jews around the world. He didn't bring about world peace. And he didn't give a special knowledge of God, uniting the world. In our response as Christians, we say, well, he's coming again. And why do we say that? Because that's what he said. He said, 
about himself. He said, behold, I'm coming again. Four times in the book of Revelation, he tells the church, I'm coming again soon. And when he comes again, he's going to complete, uh, he's going to fulfill every prophecy that is left unfulfilled. And we see them, they're there. But we believe he's coming again. And he's going he's gonna to fulfill those. And so that's our response. We say, he's coming again. Believe it. What's the second thing that um, someone of the Jewish faith might say to discredit Christ as the Messiah? They might say, his personal qualifications are not in line with those of the Messiah. What does this mean? Well, they would say, he's not a prophet. He can't be a prophet because there hasn't been a prophet since around 350 B.C. You know, Malachi. He was the last prophet. However, they believe that the Messiah is going to be a prophet when he comes. Jesus just wasn't that prophet. He was a false prophet. He was a false Messiah. And so they simply attempt to say, well, he's not, he's not the prophet that we were looking for. It's a matter of opinion. They might say that he wasn't a proper descendant of David. They disregard the genealogies found in the gospel, and they, they nitpick and say, well, there's certain things that just don't line up. And they say that he didn't regard the Torah. He didn't regard the law. He worked on the Sabbath, and we see that in the gospel. However, Jesus himself said, that not an iota of the law is going to pass away. He was a practicing Jew. He highly regarded the law. He was the ultimate fulfillment of the law, the only one who fulfilled it perfectly and to a T. And so all these claims is a matter of opinion. What's the third thing they might say? Discrediting Jesus as a Messiah they would say that prophecies that we as Christians attribute to having their fulfillment in Jesus, they're mistranslated. Uh, the, the text is not translated the way that it was actually written in the Hebrew. Specifically, uh, the virgin birth being one of them, which is found in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. And the word that is translated as virgin is alma which in the Hebrew text means a young woman. And that's really, that's all that it means. In the Hebrew text, it means young woman. So they say, well, it means young woman and that Christians at a later time after Christ, um, so many years, you know, 300, 500 AD came along and said, it means virgin that way to give credence to the virgin birth and the deity of our Savior. Jesus Christ. And to that, we would respond saying, well, actually, uh, in about 350, 250 B.C., Ptolemy II, a uh, Greek king in Egypt at the time, he commissioned 70 Hebrew scribes to translate the entire Old Testament from Hebrew into Greek, what has become known now as the Septuagint the Greek New Te- or Old Testament, sorry. And when these scribes translated the text from Hebrew into Greek, they translated the word Alma 
meaning young woman, into the Greek word parthenos, which in the Greek has no other meaning except virgin. And so these Hebrew scribes, these Jewish scholars, they saw that word Alma as having no other meaning than a virgin. That was the only word in Greek that made sense. And so, again, it's, it's a matter of attempting to read Jesus out of the prophecy. Another prophecy they'll bring up, Isaiah 53, the suffering servant. They'll say, oh, it's talking about the nation of Israel and not the Messiah. They attempt to change the pronouns. However, the pronouns, if you, you look at them, they really can only mean an individual and not a group or a nation. And something, something that must be known. Isaiah 53 He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquity. By his stripes, we are healed. It's tough to read that and not see Jesus, the Savior. And it's been said that more Jews have converted to Christianity based on reading Isaiah 53 than any other passage of Scripture. You cannot read it and not see the Savior. And what's the final reason that a Jew might give saying that Jesus isn't the Messiah? They'll say, well, Judaism is based on national revelation and not the claims of any one individual. Meaning, It is God, Judaism is based on God speaking to the entire nation of Israel and not any one person who says, well, this is, this is how, this is what God says. This is what it's like. And, uh, you know, I read that and uh, it's tough not to, to smile because it isn't Judaism based on God speaking through one man throughout Scripture. Moses, God spoke to him through the burning bush. He commissioned him to go and to be the channel through which he frees his people from Egypt and brings them into the promised land. The prophets, are they not singular men who God spoke through to bring the nation back to him? All of these discreditations of Christ, it's all an attempt to to read Jesus out. To say he's not the one. You see, the bottom line is, is that for those of the Jewish faith, they've had the chance to examine Jesus, to weigh him, to measure him. And they've concluded that's not the Messiah for me. That's not the Messiah that I am looking for. He doesn't, it's not what I want. And it, it's tragic. August 15th, 
1945. Any history buffs know what happened? Peace was declared between Japan and the United States. It was the end of World War II. What, what a joyous day. After so many long years of fighting, uh, the world was at peace. However, there was a number of uh, Japanese soldiers stationed throughout the Pacific Islands who refused to abandon their post. They didn't believe it. Um, they were, for whatever reason, they were in remote locations and they thought that correspondence is saying that the war ended was just propaganda from the Allies trying to get them to abandon their post and to quit fighting the war. One notable case was named Hiru Onada. He was stationed on Lubang Island in the Philippines. And from the time the war ended, August 15, 1945, all the way up until late 1974, almost 30 years, he refused to stop fighting. He stayed in the mountains. He would come down and perform guerrilla-style raids on surrounding villages, despite their attempt to, to give him letters and say, the war is over. The war has ended. Peace has been declared. And he said, nope. It's just, it's propaganda. You're trying to get me to abandon my post. It's a trick. And he didn't buy it up until almost 30 years later when he was relieved of duty by the Japanese army, by his commander. He came and he, he found him and gave him a letter saying the war is over and he finally bought it. But 30 years. Imagine what he could have been doing with those 30 years. Peace had been declared. The war was over. But he was still living as though it wasn't. He could have been home. He could have had a family. He could have been, he could have been enjoying the peace which had already been hard fought and won. But he wasn't. He was living as if there was no peace. And it's there that we, we see the problem with, with Judaism. The Messiah has come. The exile, it's over. Peace has been declared. The law, we're no longer slaves to it. And yet, for 2,000 years and beyond, they say, no, it hasn't. I'm still waiting. Peace hasn't been declared. The Messiah hasn't come. You're trying to trick me. And I have to tell you this morning, you know, maybe you're here and, you know, you're not of the Jewish faith, but you're living as though peace has not been declared. As if the Messiah hasn't come. As if we're still bound by the law. And I just, I have to tell you, peace has been declared. The exile has ended. The Messiah has 
come. We're no longer bound by the law when we fail, when we fall. Because Jesus has bore that penalty already. And he is coming again as a king. And he is going to establish that kingdom forever. Listen, listen to what Paul says in Romans chapter 8, verses 1 through 4. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. By sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, He condemned sin of the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. The requirement of the law has been fulfilled. How incredible. Let's pray. I just want to take a minute and I want to give you guys a chance to respond. If maybe you're here again this morning and you're living as if there's no peace. There's no hope. The world is in disarray, disharmony. And it feels that way oftentimes. But let me assure you, there is hope. There is peace. The Savior has come. And He says, all you have to do Accept me. All who listen and believe will be saved. And so if you're here this morning and you want that peace, you want to know the Savior, the Messiah, I just want you to pray this prayer with me. Father, I know I'm a sinner. I know that I've lived my whole life as if there is no peace. Wandering from place to place. And God, I'm tired. God, I want to know the peace that comes from knowing your son, Jesus, who died for my sins in my place, and rose again, defeating sin and death. Come into my heart. Make me clean. Lead me in your ways. Lead me in the path of peace. And if you're here this morning, you just prayed that prayer, I would love nothing more than talk with you about what it means to follow Jesus after the message. So please feel free to come up and talk with me. But if not with me, then please tell someone that you made that decision to follow Christ, to follow the Messiah. Heavenly Father God, we are humbled and so grateful that you've given us that hope 
You've given us that assurance of our salvation in Christ Jesus that we no longer have to live as if there is no peace because there is. We thank you for that. Be with us now. In Jesus' name, amen.